This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each and every week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini. And we've got a lot to talk about. We had uh, UFC on ESPN, Luke versus Muhammad, uh, their rematch. We had uh, Pitbull versus AJ McKee over in Bellator. We had PFL last night, Clay Collard, an absolute war against Jeremy Stevens. So there's not like the, the I guess Bellator, that would be kind of their highest level, but there's just a lot going on right now. Yeah, and, and it's crazy because even a few days ago, I had to scratch my head. I'm like, what fights were on? UFC fights were on last week. It felt like Mohamed and Luke was like a month ago because mm-hmm. there's been so many fights in between. So um, let's hopefully uh, we remember these fights. I know you do. You haven't been hit in the head as much as I have, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll see how it goes. Well, I can start off with a little bit of bad news for you, Joe. Are you, are I know. You okay I know where news? you're going to go with it because studying for it, I was already upset just before coming on here. All right, go so ahead. Let's, let me tell you, it's uh, Cop is out against yeah, Maderji. Cop is out, yeah, Manel yes. Cop is out against Maderji and the fight is canceled. And that, that's the fight I was most looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, me too. But I, I still think now what replaces that fight for me is the Charles Jourdain fight is now my most uh, anticipated fight. All right, well, let's make sure Charles stays healthy. I spoke to him, I think it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. The days, I, the days are all melting into each other right now with Easter and all these holidays, Passover. Mm. You know, this past week i think i told you this last week this ufc card was the first one the prelims were the it's the first time since i started covering the sport six years ago that i couldn't watch live because of past like we had our passover family dinner yeah i had to like catch up afterwards it's the first time since i've started covering the sport that i haven't watched part of an event live now when you were eating and enjoying the festivities were you thinking about the ufc oh fights? for sure i absolutely yeah. was yeah but then okay. i came back and i went on i got home and i went on social media and it was like this is one of the worst cards of the year. And I was like, okay, well, I guess, I guess yeah. we, I guess we picked a good, a good week. Now, when uh, did you cheat at all, looking at your phone, or were you good? No, no I didn't have my phone. Like, results. I didn't look at my phone at all. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah I, I would have been so forward. tempted to like even, you know, hey, I'm just gonna go wash my hands quickly, quickly check Twitter for some quick updates or something no, like I didn't that. Even or... want to find out. I wanted to watch it like, uh, watch it with fresh eyes. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I the first fight I watched was uh, Wu Yanan versus uh, Myra Bueno Silva. That was, I guess, I, I did. I watched the first fight of the night because I was on en route to my, yeah. my to where I went for Passover. But uh, so I saw that fight, which was the uh, that great knockout by uh, Ari Kalang. No, not Ari Kalang. Um, what's the uh, Alatang Heli? That that first knockout was like a forty second knockout, and then I didn't get to watch it. And then I went and watched. The um that Myra Bueno Silva versus Wu Yanan was the first full fight I got to watch, and that was the fight of the night, and it was like just a very okay fight, and that was yeah, yeah. given the reward for fight of the night. So you didn't watch it in order; you kind of just jumped around based on. Uh, yeah, I watched the main card, and I, I wanted to watch the press conferences afterwards, and then I kind of caught up on the other fights. Okay, yeah, no, that got. I thought uh, uh, the other fight of the night. I'm just checking now. He got performance of the night. I was going to say Andre uh, Filalio. How would you say Filalio, it with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because man, that I was so impressed by him. I was hoping that was he got some bonus. I watched that one live. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad he got that bonus because he deserved it. I feel bad for Miguel Baeza. Like his confidence just seems shot. Like he was a top top prospect, and then he's lost three in a row now. It's like it's just sad to watch because you could see the look on his face after he came to and was standing there and the decision was being read. He was just like, "What's going on, man?" Like you could tell that he just feels. Like, yeah. not just defeated physically, of course, from the fight, but, like, just mentally feels like I can't, like, something's not clicking right now. 
Yeah, so talented, good, you know, athlete, like everything's there for him. I guess it's just these little moments where, you know, because he was basically winning the fight until he got caught, right? He was looking good. He was dominant. He's got good action. He comes to fight. He fights hard. So to me, he's got everything it takes. And it's just these little, you know, I don't want to say errors or whatever they are, whatever it is. But uh, to go down like that, I still think he's got potential. And hopefully it doesn't look like they're trying to get rid of him because I think he can still do well. Yeah, so he also lost to Chaos Williams in his last fight before that, uh, in a fight that he it seemed like he was winning. And then against Ponzinibbio, had a great first round against Ponzinibbio, hurt him badly, and then went on to lose the next two rounds. So it's just like, seems like he's just running into some some sort of mental barrier right now. So I'd actually love to speak to him before his next fight and just be like, you know, what's how do you put all this behind you? Because like you go from being this top prospect, the guy everybody's talking about, to losing three in a row, and like you're, the, the script is completely flipped on your career. Yeah, it's it's all about I can answer it for him. He was going to tell you how great he feels mentally. It's all about lying to yourself. You got to put it behind you now. I mean, it's one of the hardest things to do. I mean, some of the most pressured fights I've ever had, like I barely I've only lost twice in my career. But the times that I've lost, it's trying to block that out. I mean, like, what if I lose two in a row? Like that whole mindset. Now he's going to what if I lose four? If you think that way about you know, you're not really thinking about winning. You're more thinking about not losing, if that makes sense, you know. And, and it just – it's not the mindset you want to be when you need to be aggressive. You need to be physical. So, I mean, it's all playing of the mind. You have to lie to yourself until you believe it, you know. Fake it. Fake it till you believe it. Well, I had a great conversation with Bilal Muhammad this week after his fight. Um, okay. And he was talking to me about how Luke was the only guy who had ever finished him in a fight before this. And mm-hmm. the mental barriers that he had to overcome in order to win this fight and how many different things he had to work through mentally to put that behind him. And even during the fight, he was he admitted like it, he, the guy standing in front of me. I'm like, he's like, what if he hits me? What if I'm going to, you know, I'm going to lose. I'm going to be embarrassed. Like all that stuff's going through his head during the fight. Right. Yeah. Like the kind of stuff that you have to overcome, that can almost be more difficult than the fight itself. But man, Bilal Muhammad deserves a ton of credit for how he performed this past weekend. Almost a flawless game plan. Put it all together. All-around performance. He should be very happy with how he looked. Yeah, I mean, he controlled the fight. You know, he was able to kind of get his takedowns at will. What was he, 5 for 5 at one point with his takedowns? Like, he was almost 100% with them. I mean, the way he kind of went in. What was more impressive, too, to get cracked the way he did in that third round and kind of still find a way to kind of clinch up to avoid more damage. I mean, I think... uh, I was saying he's going to be one of the toughest guys in the division until he gets to the Colby Covingtons and the Usmans because his ability to grapple and control and feint his way in and control range, it's its one of the best in the welterweight division outside of probably Kamara Usman. And people talk about the fact that he doesn't finish fights, but look at the last three opponents. Like Vicente Luque obviously doesn't, I don't think he's been finished before. I think maybe once in his career. Uh, Wonderboy Thompson, he's only been stopped inside once, I think just by Pettis. Uh, I can't uh, think of another yeah, I think just Pettis, yeah. Inside the distance. Yeah, Demian Maia was, per, you know, perennially difficult. Gilbert Burns knocked him out, but very difficult to stop. Um, of course, Leon Edwards' fight, we didn't get to see how that one played out. So it's not like he's, you know, not finishing guys that are easy to finish, right? Like, these are these are tough, tough guys. Yeah, so how do you see the next fights going for the division? I mean, now you got Shamayev, obviously, Bilal waiting. You got Colby. I mean, don't forget Burns. Like I, I still think Burns, Burns yeah, because of how he performed in that Shemaev fight. Yeah, you know, if so, if I were making the fights, I would probably do. And again, this is if everybody was willing to agree to it, of course, because there's a lot of a lot of things in play. So let's do two scenarios because the scenario one is Usman is healthy enough to fight soon. 
Okay. We don't know what's happening. A lot of rumors swirling that perhaps his hand isn't healing as quickly as he thought it was. His next title shot might ha- end up having to be postponed. Uh, might have to bring in an mm. interim title. Like I'm hearing all kinds of stuff. I don't know how um, how far along his recovery is. But let's say he's good to go in, say, August or September. You make Edwards versus Usman next. Edward versus Usman, yeah. You do Colby versus Shemaev for that Fox event that Dana White was talking about. Okay. And then I would do Bilal Muhammad versus Burns. Yeah, I like I, that. I think that's the fight that you make. Like it, it, It's not like the, ju- the juiciest fight, but I think it's a good matchup. I think it's interesting. I think that, uh, you know, it would be very difficult for... That would be a tough matchup for Bilal Muhammad. And if he beat Gilbert Burns, I think now you can, like, you can say this guy's earned it, right? Like, this is... Burns yeah. is one of these guys where it's not, he's not going give, to give you an easy night, right? Yeah. And if he yeah. does, if you ha- are able to make it an easy night against him, it just proves how good you are because Hamza Shemaev was not able to do that. Yeah, I, I think it's it's weird, but Burns is almost that guy... I mean, I know everyone uses the term differently, but a gatekeeper to the top of the division, right? If you can beat Burns, you're in the top three, top four. You're almost ready for a title shot if you can beat Burns. Only one guy's done it. (laughs) It just comes up at at 170. So, I mean, because underneath Bilal, I mean, you got Vicente, Masvidal, Brady, Magni, Chiesa. So, guys that don't really have that huge star power yet. But if you get past Gilbert Burns, who's at four right now, like you're sitting in, you know, the top of the world now. Yeah, and Brady, I think, would be an interesting matchup for Bilal Muhammad also, but I think he's he's looking up now. I don't think he's looking down anymore. I think you'd have to give him a, a you know a real increase in, in pay if he, were, if he was going to take a fight and risk his ranking at this point in time because he's at a stage in his career, and he was even saying this to me, like, I was thinking if I don't beat Luke, I might have to retire. Like, I just, I'm, it's going to be so hard for me to get back into title contention. So that was one of the things that was going through his mind again with, with this fight against Luke. It seemed like... This was a really, really difficult fight for him mentally to approach it. So for him to be able to do that during Ramadan and perform the way he did, like, again, yeah. you, you got to give this guy credit. Yeah, no, all of that put together. I mean, if he's actually following through with the, the fasting and the eating, like, that's that's a challenge on its own, you know? That's insane. Because you should see, like, a lot of my, my fighters now, it's like they're just doing shadow boxing. They're not able to spar right now. It's just too much on them. I mean, it, so uh, to go through a full camp, to beat Vicente, who's knocked you out, I mean, just, you know, his mindset's there and ready for the, the big fight. Well, he said a lot of his training partners were fasting with him in solidarity, and he would be training at 9.30 at night. Like, he would do all of his training at night when he was able to be yeah. hydrated and, and was able to eat. So he kind of has worked out a system that, that works for him. So, I mean, good yeah. for him. Whatever it was, it worked, and he looked good. And, you know, the rest of the card, two technical decisions, which you don't see very often. And I'm hearing the, a lot of really ridiculous things coming out of the MMA community about how fighters are going to just start gaming the system. And in the third round, they're going to throw an eye poke because they know they're up on the cards. They're going to wait for the judge's decision and they're going to, they're going to cheat. That, I'm sure that that doesn't even come close to crossing a fighter's mind. Like, so, so let's say you're up. You, you've definitely won two rounds. You're up 10-9 for sure in two rounds. Yeah. You're going to start like trying to poke people in the eye or kick them in the groin. Or, like, you're going to do things that could potentially have a point deducted for you and risk a draw. Like, you're not yeah. going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You also have to be up in the third round to do that too, because they score the third round. Yeah, yeah. So there's no I way knew out. Gonna, I knew this was going to be impossible. a impossible like, It's just you, you, you have to be a complete and utter ignoramus to believe <laughs> that a fighter in the third round is going to yeah. risk their fight that they're up or they're up two rounds. They're, they're winning, clearly yeah. winning. They're going to yeah. risk that fight so they can have three minutes off the clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> and then sense. also not get the credit for the win because people are going to be like, oh, it ended in a technical decision. Like, you'd you have to be a complete 
You have to just ignore like facts. You have to ignore yeah. so many different intangibles to believe that this is something a fighter would do in the third round. Now, the point that Daniel Cormier was making, though, the guy who gets hit with the illegal strike, he stays down not wanting to continue. Are they thinking they're going to get the win at that point? Is that why a lot of them are going? And, and like the point of when Aljo won the belt that was kept being brought up, right? That was what? The second round where it got hit with the, the knee? The third round. The third round. And that's so why does, I think it was the third round. Is But you know what I mean? Like, so Let's I think see. that's where check. he was kind of thinking where it was like, okay, if Jan was clearly winning. Round. Yeah, because I, I, I don't know. Like to, to give – because if you went to the scorecards on that, Jan would have won the fight, no? Yeah, that's the big difference, though. The big difference there, between, and everybody keeps bringing up the Jan fight, is not a comparable situation. Yeah, this is what my question for you. It's, I want to no, see There's no it. comparison. The reason why there's no comparison is because the referee said he's a grounded fighter. Grounded fighter. He said grounded fighter. Alzheimer was on his knees. He was basically warned in the moment. Grounded fighter. He lands the knee. When Sterling doesn't continue, Sterling's actually risking losing the fight. Because if Sterling doesn't continue... And they say, well, it was unintentional. We're going to go to the scorecards. He would lose. He would lose. But wouldn't it be a no contest at that point? Because Jan was winning. No, because, because that's not how the no contest rules work. That's what people are talking about here. Is once it gets to a certain part in the, uh, point in the fight. And we can talk about this also because it happened in Bellator with Corey Anderson. Times. Yeah, I think three times this weekend. With Corey Anderson, it went to a no contest because there were seconds left in the third round. If it was three seconds into the fourth round, it would have gone to the judges. That's how okay. it works in championship fights. Okay, then the other one was, um, uh, what's his name? Bennett, right? Chris Bennett? Uh, Chris Barnett, yeah. Chris, Chris Barnett, Barnett and yeah. Martin Boudet. Yeah, because he was losing the fight, and then he didn't want to continue, and then it went to the scorecards, yeah. and the guy who so, committed the foul won, here's, which here's the big makes sense, right? Yeah. So the difference is, is like you're doing intentional versus unintentional. But they would all be unintentional, no? You, you don't think but, Jan but, went to throw that or versus No, but the other Jan one? was warned in advance. If you, okay. The referee said, that's a grounded opponent. Be careful. Okay. Watch and then he threw it. And, and he threw it anyways. That's a disqualification. Because it's but considered how, was an, that like within the moment, like five seconds with a language barrier kind of thing, you know, in, in the heat of moment? doesn't matter, I know. That, I mean, it's at the ref's discretion. Yeah. The ref can say that was an intentional foul. Hmm. But yeah. here's the thing. Mergliata took a point away from Kyle Baraglio, but I guess if it's still in like if it's still intentional, I guess it's unintentional, but unintentional fouls, you can still get a point deducted, right? Like if you poke someone in the eye three times during a fight... Like the Ronson fight, right? There was a point deducted right away yeah. for the foul. Right. Yeah. So these are the things where it's all at the discretion of the official it, pretty much. Obviously, uh, my point is there should be a little bit of more clarity. If guys like the commentators are unsure, like DC, you know, two-division champion, you know, one of the Hall of Famers. the rule book. They should talk to the ref. Like they should take a refereeing yeah. course. But I, I honestly don't even know if the refs kind of know I knew what's what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah unintentional to the scorecard right yeah, makes sense yeah yeah but that's why look at all these different scenarios we're discussing you yeah. think a fighter's gonna risk all that by like so they can get three minutes off the clock with an eye poke or yeah. like yeah that's why it's crazy it makes yeah. no sense it makes no sense to think that somebody would game the system that way because the risk is so much higher than the reward so what do you think cormier's biggest point was that he was trying to make because because he was trying to say what you mean during the broadcast yeah, he kept saying, yeah, like, kept I don't saying, understand. Yeah, I don't understand why why the fighters... Like, can you refresh my memory? What exactly did he say? He basically said that uh, the fighters can just get out of the fights early? 
Yeah, he doesn't understand why like guys were like I think not coming back to the fight and wanting to give up because they think they're gonna get the win. Yeah, because the fighters don't know the rules. Based on yeah, so based on like Aljo, a lot of guys thinking, hey, I got hit when I was down. I got elbowed in the back of the head. If I don't continue, I'm going to win the fight. So it's kind of like, how does that guy who did the illegal strike, how is he Dude, being that's, rewarded that to win? If you watch that, need Aljamain. Like he had no clue where he was. Like that was a bad, yeah. a bad, like he yeah. was out. He was out. Yeah. No, but I get the point where like DC's trying to say it's kind of like I understand most of them are unintentional, you know, in, in that sense. But like, why is one rewarded a win versus now the guy who threw the illegal strike is now being rewarded the win? It's like I don't know. Like one foul shouldn't determine the winner of the fight either. I mean, I know it's damaging. If if anything, the point and then I don't know. So it's I get what you're saying. It is pretty clear, but I just think the fighters the. I don't know, even the commentators aren't really know what's happening. Yeah, but I think that that's on the commentators to go and do their research, right? Like to go and find out under what circumstance what's going to happen. And that way, if you're on commentary, you can say, well, here's what could happen here. Like if, if Dan Mergliata feels that Kyle Baraglio's knee to Omar Gajiev was a blatant foul, it could be a disqualification. If he rules that it's unintentional, he can either go to the judges' scorecards or take a point and go to the judges' scorecards or in some cases take two points and go to the judges' scorecards. Yeah. So he could take the point and go immediately to the scorecard. Yeah. Okay. That, and that's what yeah. he did. That's what he did. Yeah. He took the so point So he took from the point and then went right into the scorecard. And then they determined Omar Gajiev couldn't continue and then the judges have to take that, deduct that, uh, that point and then also judge the third round up until it ends. Okay. And that's where... Everybody says, why aren't there any 10-10 rounds in MMA? That's where you're going to see a 10-10 round. If you are judging a fight that's 40 seconds into the third round, and there's a, a foul or like an unintentional foul that results in the fight ending and you have to score that round, that's where you're going to see 10-10 rounds. That's really the only time a judge will use a 10-10 round. Okay. Hmm. See, lots of things we learn it. It's good that you're taking those courses and studying and learning because uh, you know more than most of the fighters yeah, out there. Why, but why, though? That's the thing. Why? Like, if, if I can go online and pay for a course from Mark Goddard and watch it and learn all this stuff. Yeah. But you do this for a living. Like, you are in the cage. If you're a coach, you're a coach for a living. If, like, it's such a small investment to learn these rules. I'm just surprised more people aren't doing it. Like, I don't even really need to do it. Like, I do it because I think that it's good for my professional development as somebody who covers the sport. But, yeah. like, the people that should be doing it are the people doing commentary and the people that are fighting in the cage and the people that are coaching. Like, those are the people that I think it's more valuable to than me. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really valuable for you, though. I Almost more than a coach because you're now discussing people's results in public where like the coaches might not be doing it you know like as long as you hit more than the other you know and you hit harder you finish i think that's the way us fighters and coaches think like i'll personally tell you i don't know the ins and out of mma and i got lots of mma fighters i should know more than i actually do with these little details even with kickboxing i'm sure some of these i have i mean sometimes after the fights i have a lot of the the judges the officials they all come up to me and they they talk about and explaining because even on the scorecard and kickboxing it's pretty outlined pretty clearly what a you know a knockdown automatic 10-8 and we're still seeing these weird scores and scorecards and it's left up too much you know to your own opinion sometimes and so i don't know well, Joe, I'm we're always the, circling back in july i'm gonna go to the abc conference it's happening in niagara falls new york this year i'm gonna go 
I'm going to take a course in refereeing and judging. I don't know if I got a certification or what it is, but I'm going to take those courses. And then if yeah. you want me to come to your gym and do a seminar, I'll do it for free. Learn I'll it. Yeah, knowledge. do it. Let's do it. I'll set it up. Okay, yeah, cool. Let's learn. Why don't you ref some fights while you're at no, it? I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> no, that's a on a local me. scene here, that'll be fun, dude. No? Look how I'm like I'm like five foot eight. I don't want to be getting between dudes that are throwing punches. Okay, yeah, self, just yourself learning then. All right, yeah. okay, that's funny though. It's just but for my own learning. What about judging fights? Would you go to a local event and judge a fight for fun, just to kind that's, of say you did it? Like maybe amateur, but I feel, as someone who covers the sport, that. It's not right for me to judge fights, if that makes sense. Because yeah, I've got to be objective in how I cover the sport. But I'm, yeah. I'm not opposed to it. I think that if I did it, it would be almost as some, something that I would do. Maybe write an article about it, my night judging a fight, something like that. Like I think that would be kind of cool just to be able to wear that hat for a night and see how it is and, and, and be able to explain the different angles and the vantage points of what the judges are looking at. Like That, I think, would be interesting to somebody. It would almost be like, uh, you know, when you do a personal training course, you have to do uh, you have to do a real course and teach somebody and then they get evaluated. So it could be cool. I like that for you to do it. And I think it just helps you out when people say, hey, you're you're not a judge. You're just a journalist. But, well, let's yeah, speak I'll again. Send them my certification. Yeah, if I get a certification, bang. I'll just I'm just, just going to scan that into my phone and have it handy at all times. That I can yeah, just a nice little badge. Just make forward one it to them. for you. Yeah, I like it. But no, it's good. I think it's important. And uh you can help uh, discuss with me so I can learn. Absolutely. Well, I'm happy to discuss it with anybody who's interested in listening to it because I think it's uh, important to know when you're watching what's going on. Um, all right, Bellator 277. Did you get a chance to watch McKee versus Pitbull? I did not see it enough to know um, what's happening, but uh, I know there's a lot of controversy behind it. I mean, there shouldn't be. <laughs> like, okay. What controversy Back to judging, right? Back to the judging. Why do you think Pitbull won? Well, because I watched the fight and I scored the rounds for him. I mean, it's why Why would I think anybody won the fight? Like, if you go back and watch, people were complaining. Like, everybody's like, oh, that's a close round, close round. I thought I thought that that three out of the five rounds were close. Okay. I thought that round two was a clear pit bull round. And I thought that round five was a pretty clear McKee round. So if if everybody agrees that, it was a, that those other rounds were close, that one, three, and four were close, everybody was like 49-46 is a terrible scorecard. Not really, because if there's only two close rounds, one of them is for Pitbull, then you give him the other three close rounds, that's what a close round is. They can go either way. So if you thought all three of those close rounds went to Pitbull, which I think is fair, then okay. it's a fair score. It's a fair scorecard. In, in fact, if you scored one, four, and five for McKee, I can see that. Like I can, look, I can watch that fight, and I can see that, because the first round was really close. The fourth round I thought I gave to McKee, and the fifth round I gave to McKee. So really, the swing round in my eyes was the first round, but at the same time, the third round was like, you kind of like, if, if you don't know what you're scoring, I can see why people thought McKee won that fight. He had top control for a lot of it, was landing strikes from top. But Pitbull staggered him with a big shot. And even though he was on bottom, he was throwing up submission attempts. Like he was actually threatening chokes and got him, you know, had something that McKee had to fight out of. Like that's the epitome of effective striking, effective grappling is you're staggering your opponent with a punch and then you're trying to get them out of, a, you know, trying to submit yeah. them. Mm -hmm. So... That's why I gave Pitbull that round. I, I don't. I don't think it was all that controversial, personally. Yeah, because all I kept hearing is uh, McKee is robbed. He got robbed, and I think, um, but a lot of people were scoring it for Pitbull, so I was confused. Well, another thing that I want to do that I don't think enough people are doing is the Nemkov Corey Anderson fight. If you go back and watch it, obviously 
it was an accidental clash of heads at the end of the third round that ended it. But after the clash of heads, even though Anderson probably would have heard the uh, the clapping that signifies that there's 10 seconds left in the round, they bump heads, Nemkov is cut open, mm-hmm. Anderson looks at the referee and says, it was a headbutt. It was a, well, not headbutt, but accidental clash of heads. Yeah, he acknowledged he it. He acknowledged it. He pointed to his head because Frank Trigg didn't know what was going on. And Frank Trigg said, fight on. Like, Nemkov went like this, and Frank Trigg said, fight on, fight on. Because Anderson said this, that's what caused a timeout to be called. The five seconds left. Had he not told yeah. Frank Trigg that there was a clashing of heads, it would have the third round would have been completed in five seconds. In and Corey Anderson seconds, would have made a yeah. million dollars and would be the light heavyweight champion of Bellator right now. Jeez. yeah. So because mil- he was a good sportsman... That's what cost him the belt and a million dollars. Jeez, which is just eh? like the price of just being a good person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't even think it's about being a good or bad. It's just reaction. We hit heads. Like, I don't know. Like, that's crazy. I didn't even think about it that way when I was watching it, though. Five seconds and a million dollars and a world title. Jeez. And that doctor, like, he was, he wanted to get out of there because they call him in. Trig calls him in. He looks at them and he goes, no, no, fight's over. <laughs> he didn't even, yeah. like, look at the, He was like, didn't, didn't even give it a second thought. Because if yeah. you look at that cut, like, compare that cut that Nemkov had to the one that, like, Tyson Fury had against Otto Valin. Oh, yeah. Two different Massive. jurisdictions. One's Nevada, one's California. But, like, the ref line, like, Fury could continue that fight. Yeah, yeah. It's the best situation for your purist. Worst situation for Corey Anderson, obviously, right. you know, but I mean, as a sportsman and of the sport, like you're kind of like to give him a million dollars for that, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, but he was winning. That's the rules. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think Corey Anderson beats him next time anyways. Let's... And Corey Anderson, I spoke to him this week and he gave me his account of what happened in the aftermath of, uh, of the timeout and the fight being stopped. So he went to like the ref and was like, "So what's going to happen here?" And the ref's like, "I think you're going to end up winning or something." Like people were like, "Oh yeah, I think you're going you're going to win." So and that's why he was cheering. Cage. He's celebrating. Yeah. The check comes out from backstage. The person Even with the, the check, check, wow, comes walking out of the tunnel. He's, he's in the he's poor elated. guy. He's he's thrilled. And then he comes down from the cage. He's like on the ground crying. He's excited. And they're like, "No, nah, it's going to be a no contest." He sees the guy with the check leave. <laughs> so you're like you're. You're watching. It's like it's like if you won the lottery and you have your lottery yeah. ticket and you hand it in. And the guy comes out with the novelty check and they're like, "Oh, you know what? We just looked at your your ticket here. It looks like it says 44, not 48." So, yeah, like, oh. unfortunately, you're just gonna Jeez. get your show money. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's crazy. That's like being you're starving yourself and then just someone hand bringing your food to the table like, "Nope, not yours. Gone." You're like. Oh. Yeah, he really he relayed the story to me, and my only reaction to it when I was watching it, you can watch you can watch the interview. My face is red, and I'm just like, that's a nightmare. That, yeah. There's no other way to put Straight that. Straight up, yeah. total nightmare. Yeah, he's probably like, what am I gonna do with a million dollars? Right. He's already planned it out. The houses he's gonna buy, the watches, the, the and his he's ready to champion. go. He's never been a champion yeah. in the UFC. Yeah, that's uh, honestly more important than the million. Sounds crazy, but it is. Yeah, I would think I would think so. He's probably getting paid a quarter million for the fight. Yeah, man. I never thought about it that way. Five seconds away from a mill, huh? Yeah. Doesn't get closer than that. So that's why, again, I, I give Corey Anderson all the credit in the world for telling Frank Trigg that it was a clash of heads. Yeah. So next time there's a headbutt, I guarantee Corey Anderson yeah. ain't saying just, anything. Just keep elbowing the guy. Just Boom. start headbutting him yeah. at this point. Just keep headbutting. Just you're already in. <laughs> Pretend that you're doing left way. <laughs> yeah, just do something. Old school Pele for those, those are the old followers. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day. 
Jeez, man. One, I couldn't even imagine. Like, I was pissed off when I fought Holtzkin because I got dropped in that last 10 seconds. I was still dazed a little bit. But Al Wickers, if he would have just counted me, the fight would have been over. And then it could have went to a scorecard. Would I have won the extra round if it would have went? Probably not because it was still rocked a little bit. But, like, count me out, man. Let let it go to the card. Maybe maybe I won on the scorecards. Who knows? With a 10-8 there, probably not. Or it would have been probably an extra round. But let me have an extra round. Al Wickers still mm-hmm. won't forget you. I like Al Wickers as a referee. I'm me sorry too. To He's actually pretty good. good. Yeah. I like yeah, how goes, no, 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 no. When people get yeah. too close and they're clinching. Yeah, very good. Very That's good. Sort of... But he had the one bad call that kind of made him uh, ruined his career for him. Which I'm pretty sure that? he was the, the referee in Milwaukee where the – the fighter, uh, Duke Rufus's oh, fighter. Really? That, he was the referee for that. I'm pretty Yikes. sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I, I, it didn't end well. And I think that's why we don't really see him on a lot of international stuff after that. Oh, I didn't realize that. I haven't yeah. seen him in ages. Again, I, I, hope, I, I hope I'm not saying anything. I, I pretty sure that's the situation, okay. but something that, uh, I hopefully I'm correct on. Cause I wouldn't uh, want to tarnish yeah, names. That's a, that's a bad situation right there. All right. Uh, hard to segue from that, but uh, we do yeah. have. Sorry, my uh, bad. Well, did you watch PFL yesterday? Uh, I watched parts of it. I did watch parts of it. Did you watch um, the main event? Most importantly, uh, the main event. Pollard versus Stevens. I watched half of it before falling asleep. Okay. Well, you I go tried. Back I tried. It I was bounced between the Raptors game and then, and then I saw that brutal shot that kind of broke all Raptors hearts. You were there, watching the Raptors game instead of the PFL. It was in between. I was trying. There's two on the PFL I wanted to see. I wanted to see OAM, Olivier, uh, Alben mm-hmm. Mercier, yeah, nice and I wanted to see Stevens. So mm-hmm. those are the two I wanted to see. And I made it through one and a half out of the two. Yeah, that's but a fight Steve- of the year candidate. Like, for the Stevens I don't know one, if it was right? as good as Burns versus Shemaev, but it, it, it was up there. It was a great fight. Oh, yeah. Fight. I can't believe I fell asleep during it because it was so good. But when you're that tired, you're that tired. But I scrap, scraps. Yeah. Jeremy Stevens is a old dog, original gangster like i i I like watching him and i'm guessing he didn't get the win right i was surprised by the scorecards 30 27 across the board for collard and like the second and third round were were pretty close rounds like i i I would be like stevens i think landed the heavier shots in those rounds but i mean collard was so busy so active landing big body shots right like i can see why it was 30 27 across the board it just surprised me that all three judges saw it exactly the same way in such a close fight but that first round seemed a little bit more stevens i thought no no i thought that was a collard round Okay, because, I mean, the big shot. I can't believe. But when Stevens did land, though, the, the amount of power he lands with, I don't understand how Collard took those shots, mm-hmm. a lot of them, and just kept sitting in the pocket, jabbing back, popping Stevens' face back, eating those calf kicks like they were nothing, kicking back, you know, countering with the, the, his straights. I mean, I was very impressed. And Collard was the one who beat uh, Pettis, wasn't it, they said? Yeah, I'm pretty he sure on broadcast. Pettis and Pettis' debut. Man, kid's good, man. PFL debut, yeah. Very good. He's he doesn't like look like he of the Korean like zombie. Okay, who? Because I who else were you thinking? Korean zombie, Nate Diaz, and Canelo. And the reason I say Canelo is just the beard and hair. The, the ginger, just yeah. the ginger beard and hair. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see him. And he's got like there the was Diaz, like walking forward, throwing lots of, of strikes, and the zombie of just getting hit and walking forward. Yeah, tough, tough. How old was he? I think 30, 34, 35, Who, Clay was Yeah, was he that old? Or look him up. But that young, I should sign- say. He was only he's only twenty nine. That that can't be. He's only twenty nine years old. He looks he looks older than me. Come on, he's got to be older. Than he me. got signed by the UFC, and then there was like an undisclosed reason, and he was cut from the promotion. Like the UFC signed him two years ago. Can, can you imagine how many fun fights this guy would have had in the UFC? Amazing. Yeah. Would have been incredible. 
But what's he, with the UFC bad luck in PFL, eh? Like it just doesn't. Uh, is it bad luck or is guys it are doing well? underestimating your opponents? Yeah, I mean you got to think OAM losing. Yeah. Right. Then you had uh, Pettis not doing great over there. Stevens losing. Trying to think who else went there. Rory McDonald didn't do well over there. Mm-hmm. How did Rory do there? In the PFL? Yeah. He got in the semifinals last one year. One and three or something like that. But he lost more than he won. Rory? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I don't think he lost more than he won, but he definitely lost. Oh, well, he lost that Glazen T-Bow fight. I think he went two and two in the season. Okay. And check. he's done with PFL? No, he's competing soon. Okay. So I know he's training out in Florida now because I keep seeing him or he's around yeah, training. He's, he's facing Brett Cooper on May 6th. Oh, nice. Cooper was the, the champ, right? No, that's Ray Cooper. Oh, Ray this Cooper. Is, this is Brett Cooper for, who used to fight in Bellator. So, okay. he, so he actually, yeah, he was 1-2. and two, You're right, 1-2 and two in the PFL. He had the win over Millinder. He had the split decision loss to T-Bow, which I still, to, to this day, don't understand how he lost that fight. Yeah. Like, I would have put a million dollars on Rory McDonald's to win that fight. Like, I would at the thought. end of the fight. Yeah, I would have been like, million dollars, take my yeah. money, it's a guaranteed mm-hmm. win. Yeah. yeah. And then the Ray Cooper fight, that was a clear loss, unanimous decision. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, eager to see what Rory does this year. I think that he can hang with anybody in uh, in PFL. But, man, Ray Cooper just keeps getting better and better and better. Yeah, he's won twice now, I believe, right? Two out of twice, the three yeah. years. He's won twice. Yeah. He lost the first season to Magomed Karamov. And then in the second season, Magomed Karamov got injured. And he won. And then in his last season, he fought Magomed Karamov in the finals, and he won. So, like, it's yeah, like yeah. even Stevens now with him and Magomed Karamov in the finals. Well, sharing those mills. Yeah, Mago Millions, as they call Magomed Mago Mills. Mago Mills, new rapper. I like That's it. That's what they called him. That's his nickname. Yeah, That's I'd like nickname. to be Bazooka Mills somehow. Bazooka Can we throw Mills? make a Bazooka sure, Mills in there? The PFL. Yeah. Because you got to think, if you win the PFL, you're, you're making way more money than you would in oh, for five sure. years in the UFC. Uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. was like, he, he said he made more money last season in the PFL than his entire UFC combined, like, times three. Basically. Yeah, if, you have to. They're probably making, some of the guys who are winning the PFL would probably be the top guys. Like, if you were to put Ray Cooper in the UFC, it, maybe 50 and 50, 60 and 60, like yeah. how much money are you giving this guy? Not much more than 75 yeah, it and 75. depends on if he's a free agent and they want to bring him on and they're willing to pay him. But like, yeah, he's, I mean, he made a million dollars, right? Like he's made yeah. $2 million. So even if he makes 150 a fight and he right. fights three times a year, you got to work three, four, five years to make what he's right. making exactly. in, the, in the PFL. That's why right? people are staying with the PFL. Yeah, makes sense. Why Kayla Harrison and all of those want to stay. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Well, Kayla Harrison stayed because they had a matching rights. She actually yeah. like was interested in going elsewhere, but they had the rights. I think she was going to sign with Bellator, and they had the, the rights to match. So there we are. This weekend, Amanda Lemos taking on Jessica Andrade main event. I was looking at Lemos's stats. They're really impressive for, like, in the women's straw weight. Let me pull the stat up that I have about her because I just thought it was such a, a crazy stat. So if you look at uh, knockdowns, in women's straw weight, she averages 1.98 knockdowns per 15 minutes. So basically two knockdowns per 15 minutes. It's the highest in women's straw weight history. The second place person is like 0.54. So she's 1.98 and the second place in history in the division is 0.54. Per 15 minutes. So she's knocking down two times her opponents twice per fight. Yeah. Basically. How many UFC? Is this just UFC, obviously? UFC. That's in her five UFC fights. In her five UFC fights. So yeah, so she's she's a marauder. This is going to be a great main event. I think yeah. people are underestimating Lemos, maybe because of the quality of opponents she's faced. And I think a lot of people thought Angela Hill beat her in the last fight. 
Because mm-hmm. I'm seeing now the UFC has 1.64. Is that what you said? 1.9 or 1.6? UFC has 1.6 knockdown 1. average. 1.98 knockdown average per 15 minutes. All right. I'm trusting yours over the UFC's. Well, I got trusting. it from the UFC's record site. Their, oh, their record I'm on their UFC.com. Has her at 1.6 okay, knockdown maybe. average per 15 minutes. Maybe it's not where Andrade is 0.23. Yeah. So it's uh, interesting. But she's she's got big power. But that said, Andrade doesn't get dropped very easily. Right? Like, yeah. if, if you were to do over under one knockdown or whatever, half a knockdown for lay motion this fight, I would take the under. I don't think she's going to knock Jessica Andrade down. No. And uh, like I always keep saying, people say I look like Jessica Andrade, so it's tough. You can't beat the female version of Bazooka. Yeah. Well, Andrade is favored, I believe, in this fight. Is she favored? I think she's a favorite, right? Uh, I would assume so. She is, yeah, minus. Two ten favorite on FanDuel. Lamos is plus one sixty eight, so it's a pretty big favorite against uh, somebody with that kind of power. Um, Jeez, yeah. Lamos still eleven and one, good record. Great record, yeah. And I think she's thirty four though. I think that's what the uh, or thirty, yeah, thirty four years old, about to turn thirty five. So she's kind of in, in the later stages of what an, an athlete's career would be in this kind of a division. Even yeah, like a lighter I, division. I mean, Andrade can be fun if she brings the pressure. So yeah, we'll see what happens. I think she will bring the pressure. She actually is the all-time leader in strikes landed per 15 minutes uh, in women's strawweight history. And draws lands like almost seven strikes per 15 minutes. So it's like, uh, not per 15 minutes, sorry, per uh, per minute. Because what would you consider Andrade? A good balanced mixed martial artist or more of a striker? She's pretty balanced. She's a good wrestler. She just doesn't use yeah. it that often. Like if she gets into firefights, she's fine to stand and strike. Like she's happy with it, it seems so. Yeah, where, where Lemos would be more of your striker, obviously. Yeah, I think that she's more of a, like, sprawl and brawl striker. Yeah, so, I mean, I would assume Andrade is looking to get inside, use the wall control, ground and pound. I would think so, unless she's has some success on the feet that they're striking. We'll see. That's going to be a, an interesting fight because Andrade is moving back down to straw weight. We'll see how she looks. Um, we'll see how she looks on the scale tomorrow as well. So, eager to uh, to watch this one. Um, like I mentioned off the top, Manel Kopp versus Sumaderji. Unfortunately, not on the event. I was really hoping to watch that one, and I, nope. I would say the next best fight is Venata versus Charles Jordan. Yeah, I would say that definitely up there. I mean, I'm surprised. I like the odds were a little bit closer than I thought. I thought Venata would have been a bigger favorite with his experience, but I really like that uh, they're giving Jordan a good shot here. Yeah, uh, Jordan is a small favorite. Uh, very interesting fight. I'm. Uh, Eager to see how this one goes. I think if Venata uses his wrestling, it's going to cause some problems for Charles Jordan. Yeah, that's that's the only thing I can see. I think if it's on the feet, the unorthodox striking of Jordan, but Venata's technical on the feet too. He's yeah, very good, experienced. Creative. Yeah, very creative too. But I think that's where Jordan shines: creativity with the striking. That you don't know if it's scissor knees. Sometimes he's sometimes a little too much in my liking, where I'd kind of be like, control that little bit. Don't get caught rushing in. But Jordan's not intimidated, loves the exciting fights, look for highlights. Like, he's the he's the guy. No wonder the UFC likes him. And he keeps taking these. I, I feel this is last minute, too, wasn't it? He no, didn't no, have a full camp not. for this. The last this one, one was, was Mark Andre Barrio, which we'll talk about a little bit. Okay. In, in a little bit. But Jordan is uh, taking on this pirate lifestyle. He's decided to take a pirate's mentality to uh, MMA. I explained that in my interview uh, with him. You can hear that on the TSN MMA sh- uh, interview edition, MMA show interview edition. So. Does that have anything to do with a shaved head and beard? Yeah, he's got a shaved head. He's got a beard. He was wearing a bandana okay. yesterday. Yeah, when I, I saw that. Him. Yeah, so that has something. I have to listen to kind of figure what that is, uh, means now. Yeah, well, you All should right. listen. So you should listen to the TSN MMA show interview edition every week, Joe. 
I do. Yeah, sometimes. I do sometimes. I do sometimes. Not all the time, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of things going on here, Mr. But you Bronsetta. like interviews with athletes. You like hearing them, and you think yeah, I'm no, a good I interviewer. I do enjoy them. I, I just do. think you yeah. hear my voice too often because we talk for an hour every week that you're sick of it. That's what it is. But I don't, I've never listened to my things ever. People are like, oh, oh, my God, your Joe Rogan interview is amazing. I'm like, I don't know. Was it? I never listened to it. So I <laughs> couldn't tell you. I was there. I enjoyed it while I was there. It seemed good, but I don't watch a thing. Even when I watch rewatch fights, I put them on mute. I don't want to hear myself talking. It's brutal. But I, I don't mind hearing you talk. So, yes, I will listen to them. All right. There you go. So you can hear interviews this week with uh, Bilal Muhammad, Corey Anderson, Charles Jordan, Marc-Andre Berrio, Tyson Pedro, Mike Jackson. Lots, that, to, lots to enjoy. Yeah. Pedro, I'd like to listen to him because he's been laid off a little bit and he's making his return. Yeah, so basically what happened with him is uh, he hasn't fought in almost four years. He had to have... Four years? I didn't know it was that long. Almost four years. He had to have uh, surgery. like I think it was like ACL reconstruction or something like that. And they basically like did the surgery incorrectly. Like He injured it again. They did, it, they did the surgery again and then they did it incorrectly and he had to get another surgery. So I think he's had like three surgeries or something along those lines in the last four years. He's basically had two years of injury rehab over the last Jeez. four years. Dang. Even with me, when I was a kid, I used to watch all those talk shows. I guess I don't know why. They were more popular back when we were growing up, I feel. And I used to watch – I watched a talk show of like Operation Surgery, like nightmares where the doctors cut off, like amputated the wrong leg or the right, wrong yeah. foot. I'm like, how, how does that even happen? Like, you know, I was like, let's hopefully that mix-up didn't happen with him. No, it was something with his hamstring. Like they – they attached it. I don't know. You have to listen to the interview that I did with him. He explained it better than I can explain it. But yeah, it just had all these different setbacks. But uh, he's back. He says he just wants to be as busy as possible. He wants to go. He wants to move to like New Zealand and train in city kickboxing and just like be as active as, as humanly possible. All right, no. Well, and now that there's see. no travel restrictions with New Zealand, it makes it a lot more possible. Makes it a lot easier. Well, what other fights are we looking forward to on this card? Clay Guida, Macy Guida versus Barber. Puelas, that's interesting. Macy Barber versus Montana Del Rosa is a fun fight. Yeah, I think Barber probably advantage on the feet. Del Rosa grappler a little bit more. Yeah, but I think Del Rosa will be hard pressed to take Macy down um, in this fight. Macy's just really strong. Like she's very physical. Um, and Del Rosa, I think, was she? Did she ever compete at strawweight? Like I think she's a smaller. Yeah, she's fought at strawweight before. She's kind of a smaller flyweight. So. We'll see how it goes. Like, I, I've really enjoyed her development. Barber has had lost two in a row. I got that win over Miranda Maverick, which I think most people thought she lost. Like, I don't yeah. I have I haven't met anybody who thought that she won that fight. So, um, basically, almost, like, if you if you don't count that as a win, she's basically lost three in a row, if you want to. Obviously, it counts as a win on her record. But uh, that said, I think that she matches up really well against Montana De La Rosa. Yeah, I'm also looking forward to, like you said, uh, Mark Andre Berrio, but quick turnaround, right? That was my concern. I like watching him fight, but the quick turnaround being knocked out in his last fight kind of concerns me. Yeah, you know, I talked to him about that. And I said there's a lot of this just about kind of getting the bad taste out of your mouth from losing in 16 seconds, right? Like he lost to Chidi and Jaquani in 16 seconds. And he was like, yeah, but, you know, he's like, I always stay ready. They called me. I asked for a catchweight 190. They said, okay. And so, you know, I, I think that he said that he felt like he overtrained for his last fight too. He was training for such a long time and – was in camp for a long time. He says he likes the vibe of, of taking a late-notice fight. He feels like he's ready. So it'll be interesting because Jordan Wright just throws absolute hammers, and he's like he's basically a do-or-die fighter. If you look at his records, like his overall record, I don't think he has a fight that's gone beyond. His longest fight, basically, in his career is 48 seconds into the second round. 
Isn't he a weird karate style? Yeah, kind of a weird karate style, um, but throws big punches. So if Barrio gets him out of the first round, like even if Barrio loses a 10-8 in the first round, I think that Barrio is going to be able to turn it around and find a finish. Yeah, Barrio's, uh, I think he's one of these sleepers that represent Canada very well. He fights hard. I mean, I don't think he gets enough shine being a Canadian and doing big fights. Yeah, I'm with you. He's uh He's a he's a fun fighter and and you know it's the first time he's ever been knocked out was against Njokwani so we'll see how he does. He wants to prove that he's a UFC caliber fighter and I think that a win over Jordan Wright on short notice will certainly do that. Uh, yeah. Although I do think yeah. that Jordan Wright's a lot of fun, uh, yeah. a lot of fun to watch. And Iori Kelang is back against Cameron Ellis. I like watching that guy fight. The Mongolian uh, murderer. One of the who's this? Iori Kelang. Iori Kelang. Yeah, fun fighter to watch. If you want to watch a great fight. If you have a pen, you can write this down. Iori Kaling versus Jeff Molina was like one of my sleeper fights of last year. It's just an awesome fight. Yeah, I'm on the I'm on the the UFC website. I'm like, who are you talking about? Well, but then when, when I'm looking at his name, remember when that guy said he... R I Q I L E N G. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's how you say it then. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. He's moving up to bantamweight. Uh, excited about his fight. I think he's a really good prospect, even though he's 0 2 in the UFC. Uh, yeah. I think the guy just throws big, big hands, big power. Always like to see that. He's kind of like a bigger Sumaderji, but not as long. He's more compact. Yeah, the Mongolian murderer. Yeah. Not the best record. 18 wins, 9 losses, but that's a lot of experience. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to watching him compete. Kind of a make-or-break fight for him because you don't want to come into the UFC, lose three in a row. He might not come back. So uh, interesting fight against Cameron Else, who has a win over Patty Pimblett early in his career. Okay. Any other ones I should uh, keep an eye on? No, but we can take a look at Bellator. Bellator 278. There's two, uh, Bellators two Bellators this cards, weekend, yeah. right? Going back to Blaisdell in Hawaii. Is that what it's called? Blaisdell, Blaisdell Arena? Yeah. I'm not too sure. Never Neil been to Hawaii. Blaisdell Arena. I went for memory on that, Joe. Not bad. Maybe oh, I just heard good. them say it on the broadcast last week and it refreshed my memory. There you go. So some fights to watch this week. 278. Uh, Juliana Velasquez against Liz Carmouche, obviously great fight. Nikita Mikhailov against Enrique Berzolas in the tournament, the Bellator uh, Bantamweight World Championship Grand Prix. And you've got Jornel Lugo versus Danny Sabatello. Both of those are going to be great fights. So that's what I'm looking forward to, those, uh, those top three fights. Juliana Velasquez versus Liz Carmouche. That's an interesting fight. I'm, I'm eager to see how that one goes. Velasquez, that, I thought, laid an egg in her last performance, so we'll see how she's Is looks. this for a cyborg rematch kind of thing? Or? No, no, different weight class. The cyborg fighting this night. Okay, yeah. Yeah, this is 125. Juliana Velasquez is the champion. Okay. So maybe a rematch with um, Alima Lay McFarlane, who's fighting uh, on Saturday. So you got Cyborg versus Blenko, the rematch that probably absolutely nobody has asked for because when they fought last time, um, Cyborg submitted her, her first ever submission win, second round. Um, and completely pieced her up in the first round, so not really a, a, the most intriguing title fight, but Cyborg doesn't really have an embarrassment of riches to go against in, uh, in Bellator, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Juan Archuleta against Ralphion Stotts and Kyoji uh, Horaguchi versus Patchy Mix. Those two yeah. fights are going to be absolute fire. Oh, yeah. The the Horaguchi Mix fight's going to be wild. Patchy Mix is very good off his with his jiu-jitsu and his grappling. So that that's probably the one I'd be most excited to see. And the Canadian Lance Gibson fighting uh, on the prelims. Goichi Yamauchi, Yancy Maderos, Emmanuel Sanchez. Really strong prelim card for this particular fight on uh, card on Saturday. Where does Gibson fight out of in Canada? Where would um, he be from? He trains with Julia Budd out in BC. Okay. Julia Budd's actually like, a stepmother. I was like, I've never heard of the name. 
So well, Lance Gibson Sr., I, I believe, fought in the UFC back in the day once. But he uh, he was an MMA fighter. Um, and then him, he's, uh, I, I think, married to Julia Budd. And Lance Gibson Jr. is his son and Julia Budd's stepson. Oh, and there you go. Lance Gibson Jr. is undefeated. Good fighter. All right. We'll keep an eye on him. Yeah. Worth watching. Um, and I think that that just about does it. Is there any other news from this past week that we might have missed, Joe? Uh, this past week? No, not that I know of. I don't think that uh, anything major happened. Did you see this Mike Tyson video? Somebody decided to annoy Mike Tyson on an airplane? Yes, I didn't see the video. I saw a picture. I, I guess the video is out There's now. Video. The guy's like, yeah, hey, Mike Tyson. The guy's bothered. Why would you bother Mike Tyson? First off, you're on an airplane. You got nowhere to go. Yeah. At least if you're out guy. in public, you can run or something. Sitting the row behind him on an airplane. I'm not going to yeah. justify somebody hitting somebody. I, you know, but don't bother Mike Tyson. Like, what are you bothering Mike? Would you go to the tiger cage at the zoo and like poke the tiger with a stick? Yeah. No. What's the expression? Don't, don't pick, poke the bear. Don't poke the bear. Don't poke the bear. I, I looked it up the other day because we're having this discussion. I thought it was don't poke the bear, and I thought there was an extra part to it. But apparently, it's like don't don't pick on the wolf, or else yeah, you get the fangs. Yeah. Apparently, that's the expression. Don't that's another poke expression. the wolf, yeah. then you get the fangs. But in a legal, in the court of law, you can't be like, I, I'd like to point to uh, this case where somebody poked a bear. And yeah. Bit. yeah. Unfortunately, it well, doesn't fly in a court. Well, that's uh, you should know that regardless. It's yeah. Mike Tyson. Probably yeah. not great. Hey, Dan Hardy's going to be boxing Diego Sanchez. That news just came out today. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, yeah, I would like to box if they're making good money. I'd box either of them. Would you? You would? They offered you of that. Of course, money? I would. Okay. Yeah, all, day, all day. So you're if open they for paid bi- well. You're open like for they, business if somebody's got the money, basically. If they got the money, yeah, especially just a boxing match between with Dan Hardy, I'll do a. a four-man tournament with those guys come on who's the fourth Dan man? Hardy and Diego Sanchez gonna outbox me you crazy who's the fourth man I'll put both of those guys to sleep uh I don't know who they were they can bring who they want but I mean <laughs> come on Diego Sanchez an MMA fighter is gonna outbox me Dan Hardy okay he's got good striking he's an analyst I think that's all Dan Hardy Dan Hardy would maybe be a a, a decent fight for me but Diego Sanchez I'd wipe the floor with him now, I guess the other news that came out this week actually uh, Robert Whitaker out of UFC 275 Marvin Vittori looking for an opponent has called out Darren Till and Hamza Shemaev, neither of which I'm sure Hill will get because I think Darren Till is still coming back from injury. Shemaev, yeah. of course, just fought in like a war against Gilbert Burns. Yeah. He's moving yeah. up the fight. He's not doing it. Vittori. Although he put himself in title contention. Like if he came, if he moved to, to 185 and like destroyed Marvin Vittori, he could fight for either title, I yeah. think. I bet you Shemaev before beating Burns probably would have taken that fight. Yeah, I just think now with how high he's climbed into welterweight, why would you go and risk things? It's too much now. Now he's got his path set. I'm with you. Well, Joe, I think our time is up. We will talk next week. Lots to uh, catch up on, I'm sure, with uh, two Bellator cards, a UFC card, and a PFL card next Thursday. But we'll probably do the show before then. Uh, Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.